All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all your beautiful faces here this morning. So we are going to jump into worship this morning, and I want to challenge all of you to bring everything that you have. It could be a little, it could be a lot, whatever you have, let's worship together. So God, we thank you that you are in this room. We thank you that your presence arrived here long before we did. We thank you that hearts are being stirred, that, that healing is happening, that things are moving, God, that your wind is blowing across this room, that your wind is blowing through homes, through com- our community, and across this land. And God, as we lift our voices this morning, we just ask you to come. Come and have your way. So there's an interesting dynamic going on right now. Do you feel like we started to hover? It's like if you're in a river, you hit this eddy. Okay, why? Because you have to learn to wait on the Lord. So when you're waiting on the Lord, and we're going to get into this later, this is interesting to me. When you're waiting on the Lord, it's not a time to do this. When you're waiting on the Lord, it's because He's waiting on you for something. And that's when you have to engage more than you have been doing because you need to bring a sacrifice of praise. So if you've been quiet, it's time to open your mouth. He's waiting for you to respond. You will decide what happens with the rest of this service because He's waiting on us. So you might have to take a risk. You might have to change where you're sitting. You might have to come to the front. You might have to do something different with your body because we're not going to get anywhere out of this swirl until something changes that pleases Him. So start asking Holy Spirit right now, what do I have to do? What do I have to bring? What are you saying right now? Like, and if you're stuck for some prompts, the Psalms are full Raise your hands, dance before the Lord, clap, shout, bow, kneel. There's lots of options, but it's on you. It's time for the priests to minister to the Lord because he's waiting for that. So about uh, three weeks ago, we prayed in a congregation uh, for healing. So many of us were talking about getting different healings and I had a tennis elbow issue in my right arm and uh, there was an obedience that was required on my part it wasn't going to be instant and uh, just remember today my arm doesn't hurt and uh, you know uh, it may not happen right now it may not happen next week but you got to believe for it so what are we believing for today on uh, Thursday I was in the hospital when I was in the hospital, a guy got brought into the hospital, and while he was in there, he actually coded. He's two beds beside me, and he's not breathing. There's zero heartbeat. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this is crazy, and all this stuff is going through my mind, what's happening. And then I heard the Lord say to me, reach out your hand and pray for him. And so in that moment, I just reached out my hand, and her words were, we still don't have a heartbeat. And all I said is, Jesus, just heal this man. Within two seconds, she says the words, we got a heartbeat. I believe it was Jesus. Come on, right? The healing is there. It's in front of us. He wants to touch us. He wants to touch those people you're thinking about. It's on. Now, I want to point out on his. Did you catch? He's at the hospital because he needs something. He didn't have what he was looking for yet. But God, do something about that person. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you've got something that you need the Lord to do for you. You still got to engage because we get by giving. That's how the kingdom works. So don't wait to respond to the Holy Spirit because you got to get yours first. Respond to the Holy Spirit and all these things get added after. 
We're not doing a religious observance of... This stuff is real. It's real on the street. It's real in this building. It's real in your home. It's real in the hospital. It's real in the church. But we've got to respond and obey and do the things that are required. So let's go a few more minutes with worship here. Anchor off of the testimonies. That one was healed. That one was healed. God is real. Now praise the Lord. Five minutes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and everything that's in me. Just like David said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We got Cam preaching this morning. You ready? I'm Cam. (laughs) For those of you that are of this house, you know that when I speak, I have a bad habit of walking. I am going to attempt to slow that down, but no promises. What I say doesn't matter. Holy Spirit, what you say matters. And in this room, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you've got everything under control. We acknowledge that you're at work, even when we don't see it or feel it. We acknowledge that we belong to you, and we invite you to do things personally that are bigger than what I'm doing up here. We invite you to speak through the message, but add things on. And we say, Holy Spirit, we're going to try to follow you with our spirits and not with our heads. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. So I am not going to perform here at all. I am going to just try to let you see me as I am, tell you a little bit about who I am. I am not a traditional kind of a person. Um, I tried that. It was so boring to me. To me, okay? No judgment to me. You have to accept that what I say is going to come through the filter of who I am, my experience, my gifting, etc. If you don't like what I'm saying, spit out the bones. Fair? Okay. I... I met this guy at Bible college. 25, 30? Too long ago. And I've been in this house for over 25 years. Where did that time go? Um, I got saved when I was 16, and I, I bit hook, line, and sinker. I bit down hard. I'm like, there is a God? Okay. He wants to use humanity? Okay. I'm in. Let's do everything. And I open the Bible and I read stories like Elijah and there's the audible voice of God and, and you know, stories like Abraham. Well, God and two angels were on their way over to Sodom and Abraham's like, oh, okay, well, it, how about you stay for dinner? And like, I, I, I took it all literal right off the bat and was like, yes, this is what it's going to be like. Not what happened. Not what happened at all. And so for, I don't see if I've been saved now, like 30, way too many years. Over 30 years, and most of that time, I have hated prayer. (laughs) I hated prayer. Because prayer for me did not do what I read. And so it was like, I kind of felt like I got a sales job. Is it okay to be that frank? Anybody else here been frustrated with prayer? You feel like there is nobody on the other end of the phone? So that was problematic for me. But according to the grace of God, he put a prophetic gift in me so that I knew that there was a connection because stuff would happen to me that made it obvious. So when I'm 16, I'm in the church, whatever. No one ever taught about prophetic utterance. And so I'm in church one day and all of a sudden it feels like the the kettle started boiling. Bubbles. Bubbles. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it gets to the point where you're like, if I don't jump up and say something, I think my head might blow off. 
And so back in the day in the Pentecostal churches, then a prophetic utterance just kind of came out of the, the seats wherever they were in the middle of worship. You'd sort of, if you were, you know, learning to discern, you'd time it when the music came down. But if you didn't. <clears throat> and so then I would just blast out this prophetic word and it was like, whoa, it was so real. It was so powerful and whatnot. And then I would try to pray the next day, Monday morning. Prayer sucked. And so you're like, okay, how do, you, how do you make these two things line up? Because there's real obvious evidence, and then there's this prayer life. And so I end up at Bible college after years of trying to work that struggle out. And one day in one of the, the chapel services, totally crazy thing happens. How many of you have you've read Corinthians and you've heard about tongues and interpretation? Okay, so for those who don't, tongues, somebody's shot about a Hyundai, could about a Toyota. <laughs> and then after that, someone will go, this is what the Lord was saying. So this one time, this guy, and this was his, that was the way he worked. He would tongues and interpret himself. Often, tongues can be interpreted by somebody else, and that's, it's a whole interesting deal. In this case, he goes off in tongues, and I'm like, okay, that's the guy, that's his thing, and I get ready. And then all of a sudden, with open eyes, I start, you ever watch the news channel and you see the ticker tape going across the bottom and it's announcing the current news? I'm reading words as he's praying in tongues out loud, to the, and I'm reading words. I, forgive me, I don't know what the, they were at the moment, but I just remember I'm reading them, and I'm like, what is happening here? This is crazy. And then he switches to the interpretation. And it's word for word, the things that I was reading across the bottom of my vision. And I'm like, what the heck? So God can do this, but when I go to pray, so 16 years old, back in the day, that was the day where everybody wore the Christian t-shirts and, you know, you had Petra and Whiteheart were the leading albums. And, and so it got so bad that I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. The first Christian t-shirt I bought had worn out, but I, I kept, like, I cut out the, the slogan on the front, and I, I lay it out on my bed. <clears throat> I turn on the Christian praise music in the background. I put on my new Christian t-shirt. I lay out the Bible next to the cut-up piece of the t-shirt, and I kneel beside the bed. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I am pulling in every piece that I can think of to go, we're going to talk today, and you're going to say something. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so I sort of gave up on prayer for a long time because it just, it kind of felt like you tip your head back and you say words at the air and sometimes they land and I have no idea why. Sometimes things happen and most of the time they don't and it's just like, what am I doing wrong? Has anybody ever wondered, what am I doing wrong when you're praying? So because I'm really bright, it took me 25 years to connect the dots, there's something in the prophetic that opens up communication. So I, I start doing something radical. I start studying the Bible. Weird. So this is the preamble to get you to this moment. The message this morning is entitled, The Waiting Room. Anybody ever sat in the waiting room? Have you ever watched the traffic in the waiting room? You know, sometimes you, you know, if you picture a doctor's office, there might be 20 people sitting there and they've got their time slots. And if the doctor's on time, great, but mostly they're not. So you, you don't know how long you're going to wait there. And then somebody comes in that's got like a medical emergency and they're like whew, front of the line. You're like, I thought I was important. What happened there? You know? So I start connecting the dots and going, okay, I've, I've got to start making sense out of what this all means because something's got to change, right? The promise in the word is not happening for me. I tried the, you're wrong and you lied. <laughs> that did not go. So like, okay, fine, you've convinced me. I've got to do something about this. What is it that I don't know? So... Let's start with 
my favorite. Get into the original languages of Hebrew and Greek. Okay, ready? Here's a few words. Only four. I'm going to give you four words. You can write them down if you want or not. But only four. I'm not going to give you. There's, there's lots of variations. Number one in Hebrew is the word na. N-A. Na looks like this. Pastor Paul, would you stand up? I'm going to stand over here. Na means to implore or entreat. It's this. Please. Okay? Stay there. So, na is this totally vulnerable position of, I need you to do something, please. And that's the second most common Hebrew word for prayer. The first is this. And if you can't see the floor up here, you might want to stand up at the back. The word is palal, P-A-L-A-L. It means to intervene or interpose, and it has a physical action that looks like this. It literally means to fall on your face before a dignitary and cry out. That's the most common Hebrew word for prayer. Thank you. So what I realized very quickly is I was not doing that. Because it's as much about a heart posture as it is a physical posture. But let me tell you this. Your physical posture matters. I don't know whether it's a Western culture thing or if it's the contemporary church. I don't know what it is. But we read all the way through scripture and we read all the action words. Kneel, bow, raise your hands, shout, dance, all the things that I mentioned earlier. And we go, somebody should do that. <laughs> like those extroverts over there. You know, Let's dress them in black and give them some handkerchiefs to dance around with. Yeah, that's a good idea. But not me. But if we've been around the church any amount of time and you've read any sort of biography of the warriors of the faith, inevitably you run across the fact that they spent lots of time in prayer and you run across little pictures like, you know, the wood floor next to their bed had two grooves where their knees were for decades. Because the saints before knew you got to get low and you have got to humble yourself. There's the word for intercede in Hebrew. There's the word pega, P-A-G-A. And it's interesting because it means this. To make contact as in to arrive at a meeting. So you got to roll up. Now we have pegged. And all of these words imply some things that really matter. But we'll get there in a second. Let's jump to Greek because, well, you know, Jesus came and the Old Testament's no longer valid. <laughs> Just kidding, right? That was a joke. Um, so in Greek, the word is prosuke, and I'll spell it for you if you're caring. P-R-O, pro, S-E-U-C-H-E, prosuke. And it means to exchange Wishes. Exchange wishes. That means I'm going to tell God mine and he's going to tell me his. Guess which one he wants to answer. So you start putting all the Greek together. And you put the Hebrew together, just the words. There's so much more you could get into the stories of Scripture and whatnot. And I'm walking. <sighs> I'm not lost in this, so if I pause, it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, recenter, take the room. And even right now, notice. What is your heart doing? Are you starting to lean in and go, oh, there's something there? Or are you starting to check out? Is he saying something more than what's saying, pay attention? 
that just this doesn't engage, but this engages. So you start connecting the dots on all of these words, and there's some interesting pieces. So when you put palal and na and uh, pega and prosuke together, you end up with, it's a meeting. You're going to a meeting, and a meeting needs three things. Okay, ready? Number one. A meeting, any meeting, human meeting, whatever it is, a meeting, number one, needs a central location. You're going to meet. These days, you might meet in a chat room. You might meet online on Teams or Zoom or whatever, but you're meeting in one location. Second thing, you need two parties. You ever been in a chat room by yourself? <laughs> I mean, I can carry the conversation for a while, but, you know. So, one location, two parties, and the third piece is conversation. If you don't have all three of those, you haven't met. And each of these words implies a meeting. And that's how we arrive at the waiting room. So let's go back to the doctor's waiting room for a minute. If you've been there and you've sat in the chair, your number might be up next. And if you leave the room, have you met the doctor? No. Imagine that you had been defrauded of $10 million and the police did all their work and they caught your best friend who did it and it's all going down at the courtroom and you jump in a cab to go and you start telling the cabbie all about what happened and how, you know, and here's all the evidence and whatever and the cabbie drops you off on the steps of the courtroom and you don't go inside. All of that talking that you did to the cabbie meant nothing. It has to happen in the place where it matters. Now, this seems obvious to us, and I mean, it took me 25 years, so I'm not the brightest bulb, okay? But the waiting room is where, at least in the West, Christians struggle because we don't know how long we're supposed to wait. Now, when you look at Scripture and the various stories, you find that God makes people wait a lot. A lot. So, here's just a a couple of examples here. If I can find them again. Okay, well, let's let's, uh, consider Exodus 24. Moses and Aaron and Hur grab 70 elders and they go, okay, we're going to go up to the mountain and meet the Lord. Level one. Everybody arrives for dinner, and it's awesome. And there's this description about and the Lord appears, and there was a floor like blue glass, clear as heaven and whatnot, and they all ate with the Lord, and that was cool. And then Moses and Aaron Hur go up higher, and they leave the 70 behind, and they're going to go for the second stage of the meeting. And then, the second stage, Moses alone can go on, and he says, wait here till I come back. Anybody remember how long Moses was gone? Moses waited for six days. Can you imagine being on the side of a mountain for six days waiting for your boss to come back? Is he dead? Did the Lord kill him? Did a ram headbutt him off a cliff? Like, what happened to Moses? Was it Moses that had a problem that couldn't get into the presence of God? Or was it God... Like, we don't know that part. All we know is that it took six days. How would you have done if it had been six days? What if God never told Moses, you have to wait here for six days? What if he said, wait, dot, dot, dot? When I have to wait, it kind of looks like this. Okay, Lord, I'm waiting on you. It's already good. Okay. All right, Lord, I'm just I'm going to hang out for here. Ooh, snacks. Right? Like 15 seconds. If Jen was here, she'd be about the same, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's my problem because the waiting room is where stuff gets sifted. Have you ever gone downtown to like an office, I don't know, meeting a lawyer or something like that, 
you walk in the front lobby and there might be a security guard at the lobby there and then so you get screened at that level and you get in an elevator and you go up to the floor and then what do you run into first there's a reception desk there's another level of screening wait there okay well and then you might get handed off to a junior partner or something like that that okay you know i'm gonna like the dentist you get the dental hygienist first you don't get the dentist first you get somebody lower right and then you just get passed up it's the same kind of thing. Like, where are we going to check out of the process? Because waiting is not optional. And the only thing that changes how long you have to wait is how important you are. If you tried to get into Parliament today, you could not meet Trudeau. His wife could. She spent tons of time with him. And that's the whole point of the book of Esther. So here's Esther's whole nation under a death sentence. Millions of people's lives hang in the balance. And here's Esther's strategy. Let's have a party. At the end of the night, on the first night, Esther, what do you want? What does Esther say? Come back tomorrow. Because the waiting hadn't been fulfilled yet to reach the point where her request would be granted. And that picture is for us, where we're so ready to kick in the door. Boom, God, I need a new car, and my job, and my wife is this, and my kids are that, and whatever, okay, and thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right, I forgot that part. And I'm convinced that the longer we're in the faith, the less tolerable that gets to him. And so I'm saying some uncomfortable things because part of the prophetic is to get to God's side of the equation and see it from how he sees it. You know, from another vantage point, you mean, we're all children of God and we're loved and that's all true. But there's also the side of God that goes, I'm sick and tired of your festivals and your sacrifices and your songs. Get out. That's in the book. It is written. And we don't get to pick which pieces apply to us. And so, why am I saying this stuff? I'm saying this stuff because I believe God wants to move on a people that will actually humble themselves and actually do what he wants and actually take the time and actually come out from the world and be separate. And is anyone else feeling uncomfortable as I say these things? This is the reality. He is interested in sold-out people. It is written, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that is completely his, that he may strongly support them. I know how half-hearted and divided I've been. But you reach a point where you start going, you know what, I, I want you more than I want that. I want the kingdom more than I want that. And the interesting thing is when you start doing that, you start finding that your prayers shift. You stop going, I want the new car, I want the new suit, I want the new Xbox, I want the... And you start going, what do you want? And you get into that prosyuke. And he's gracious, right? Let's exchange wishes. Tell me about your day. Tell me about what's going on. What do you want? What do you feel like you need? How are you feeling? Whatever. He's totally good for that but don't forget the other side. And I'm walking again. How does that happen? <laughs> and that's where we're at is he wants the whole earth. He wants every nation back. He wants the kingdom everywhere and his presence everywhere. That's his desire. And he will answer prayer in line with that more than now it feels weird just leaving my feet stand. <laughs> and so Holy Spirit starts to examine our hearts going, do you really want to hear me speak? Have you got one of those friends that only ever wants to talk about what they like? 
And they can talk for hours about some abstract online chat room thing that you're like, okay, whatever. You know, conspiracy theories. For a while I was in it, so I can, I can joke about it, whatever. I got in. I, I picked up a spirit of fear for a year because of that. Careful what you search for. But you get locked into this thing, and it's just, that's the only thing you think about. And it's all that you care about, whatever, and whatever. And, and a person who's having a conversation with that kind can't get a word in edgewise. Because that person is always looking to cut back to, here's my thing, though. Oh, you said a word. That means it's my turn to talk again. And how much are we like that with God? Now, we can't do much about that tendency on our own. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Flesh cannot deal with flesh. It's impossible. You can't discipline yourself into it. You can, you can struggle. You can try. And the only point in trying is to get to the end to realize, I can't do this. But then you reach a point where you have to decide, I want to go all in with you, Holy Ghost, or I'm going to go for a walk in the wilderness. And you don't know how long that trip might be. I took a trip once about uh, 10 years ago in business. I was supposed to go with Mark to Russia. And the Edmonton Arena was closing. The bid was closing to build the job and, and we were considered for it. My company was. And I decided to disobey the Lord and stay home and, and work really hard to try and put a quote together to get that job. Didn't get the job. And spent a year wandering the wilderness going, God, why can't I hear you? God, how come, I'm, how come you're not talking to me as much? And then at the end of that year or so, you make it back around to the, the point of the mountain that you started at, and you're like, okay, would you like to try following me, or would you like to do this on your own? Lesson learned. Okay, Lord, let's do it your way. And that challenge is for each and every one of us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Does he get what he wants, or do you get what you want? Because the pressure is going to turn up until you make a decision that is pretty final. Pressure's intensifying out there. If anyone told you that when you signed up to be a Christian, you were going to get to go to heaven and it was vacation 24-7 and it's all easy till you get there, they were lying. Between here and there is death. Constant death. Death after death. Just when you thought you were done, more death. That's what you signed up for and that's what you have the option of bailing out on. And this is uncomfortable. So then what do you do when you're in the waiting room? You don't want to bail out, but you don't know how to sit there in the tension. Now, I thought it was interesting that, I don't know, was it scheduled there, that one song about waiting on the Lord, or was that a spirit song that came out? Okay. Okay. Spirit song. I, was, I thought that was so interesting. Waiting on the Lord. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I didn't tell anybody what I was speaking about. That's cool. We don't get to escape. If you want to do what God wants to do, you don't get to escape his process. That's the deal. So there you are. You're in the waiting room. Acts chapter 2, 120 people go to the upper room, and they're there. And what Jesus said was, wait until Holy Ghost shows up. There was no timetable. Ten days. I imagine that somebody left at like 9 p.m. on day 9. That's just what my brain does. And then they came the next morning at like 11 a.m. And they were like, whoa, what's going on? What happened? Fire on your head? Wow, that's great. Can I have some? So you can't quit the waiting room. How do you then sustain? Well, scripturally speaking, here's what's interesting. Whenever you have you know, an angel or, or uh, the Lord show up, inevitably you see the saints try to delay them. You know, God and two angels show up. They're on their way to Sodom. And what does Abraham do? Hey, 
stay for lunch. I'm just going to go slaughter a cow and we're going to make it. Like that's a, what, half-day process? We're going to slaughter an animal, dress it, cook it, stay for dinner, right? You look at how many times the saints tried to slow God down. Whoa, 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 just hang out here. Just wait. I'll make you dinner. Because they got it. The waiting is important. So when you're in the waiting room, you've got to be going, okay, how do I keep the Lord's attention here? Because the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that's his. How do you keep his attention then? A sacrifice of praise, worship, adoration, pouring out on him. Maintaining your faith in him. I know you're good. I know. You stay connected. He's like, I, I, I can't look away. I can't look. And drawing in. You have to lean into the tension and sustain it when it gets awkward. And you might have to press past the point of, I'm dry. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. Have you ever been to that point when you're praying? There's no more words. Now what? You haven't done what I needed yet. I haven't seen you yet. Now what? And there's where death begins. So one of the things that I learned by connecting the prophetic to prayer was stop praying the things that I'm thinking about and start asking questions. What are you looking at? Where are you right now? Scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found, which means sometimes he can't be found. He's not automatically available to you every time, every moment, just because you decide. And so needing to change positions, change your posture, change your schedule, Why do people travel to events? Because they're sacrificing. Are you willing to pray this right now? Holy Spirit, I grant you permission to touch my life. I feel like he's starting to put his finger on things that are the treasures in our arms. I'm keeping this one. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for a shift on the lives of the people in this room that anyone who says I want to do what you want anyone who's at a place where they're battling to get past the thing so that they can get on with it with you I'm asking that you would do something inside that shifts the balance we're asking for an impartation of the love of God We're asking you to put something inside us that believes strong enough to get over that obstacle. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would take some normal people and make them radical people. From our midst, would you raise up people who don't care anymore about this life, that they've got to have you. Because here's the deal. His presence is where his face is looking. When you read in the name of in the Old Testament, the idea of the the name was synonymous with his face, his presence and his face, where he's looking, were the same thing. So is he looking at you? Do you want him looking at you? There's a time coming when the rocks will, Ben will cry out for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from his face because they didn't want to deal with it. They weren't going to bow. They weren't going to, and then it was, there was no choice. I just want to share, as he was sharing this message, it really reminded me of a time, um, probably about 15 years ago. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Tommy Tenney. Years back, he had written a book called God Chasers, right? And I read that book, and it actually was a book that really inspired my journey. And, uh, I remember going to a couple conferences of Tommy Tenney, and I remember going to this one conference, and I was so excited to have Tommy Tenney pray for me. 
right? That was honestly my main goal in going. I wanted him to pray for me. I wanted to receive whatever it was that he was carrying. And I remember I was in Minnesota, and it was finally that time, right? It was time to go get prayed for. And he called everybody up. And I remember I got up to the altar. I mean, there's hundreds of people there, right? I leave my chair, and and I'm standing up there, and and Tommy Taney is coming down, and he's praying for everybody, right? And so he is laying his hands on everybody's head, and some people are falling down, some people, whatever. God's just blessing them. And he's going down the line, and he's going down the line, and all of a sudden he gets to me, and he's about to pray for me, and I'm really excited. And as he goes to pray for me, he stops. He skips me. I kid you not. And he prayed for everybody else in that row. And then he does this, right? I'm sitting, say, where Jim is by a few ladies. And all of a sudden, Tommy walks all the way to the aisle that I was literally sitting in. And he prays for the two ladies that are still sitting there. And then all of a sudden, a fellow by the name of John Kilpatrick, I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with John Kilpatrick. He was part of the Brownsville Revivals. I mean, he comes up, and he comes to pray for me. And in my head, I'm saying to myself, I don't want this guy to pray for me. I want Tommy Tanny to pray for me, right? And there's something inside of me all of a sudden just really ugly that I realized was there, right? And there's something in our nature, something selfish inside of us, even when we come to church, right, of wanting to seek the hand of man, wanting to receive something. I want this for me. I want this moment to be about me. Well, Tommy Tenney went up a little later on, and this is what inspired this, because Cam was talking about the positions of prayer. And Tommy Tenney said this. He said, there's one position where our heart is above our head, and it's when we're lying prostate on the ground, when our head actually no longer is part of the equation. It's all about our heart, and it's all about Jesus, and it's not about any of this other stuff. And so I'm taking the message he's saying, because there is a part of us, we do quit, we do get discouraged You know, sometimes we do the church stuff out of duty. We come today, maybe even that's us today. It's, I should do this. But there's something there where if God can get our hearts above our heads, where I'm not thinking about me today, where I'm not thinking about my needs, I'm not thinking about what I can get from the minister, what I can get from anybody else, Or even, what can I get from him? Can we actually just come to that place? And I believe there's a blessing in it. It's not about me anymore. Remember that song? It's all about you, Lord. Can we find that place where our hearts are just passionate for him? The love for Jesus supersedes the need that we have for anything else on the planet. Because that's really the call. It's the cry. It's it's the desire of his heart is that we would just love him. And in fact, when we do that, right, we know what the scripture says, right? All that other stuff will be taken care of. So I I don't know if you have a way to end this. Anything coming to your head? Yeah, okay because that's what I was feeling, is maybe it's just that moment where we just humble ourselves today. I, I don't know. Maybe this is your first time coming to community church, and we want to welcome you here, right? We, we truly do. There's some faces. I don't really know some of you that I'm looking at, and I'm so excited you're here with us, but in this moment today, right, whether we know each other or whether it's the first time we've walked into this building, hopefully we're all here for the same reason. to meet with the king, right? And so maybe we do. We take these next five minutes and we just try to supersede anything our heart's trying to tell us to do, our mind's trying to take us to these other things we got to do today and, and maybe we just lock in with him for the next five minutes.
Maybe some of us do need to come to the front and literally lay prostrate. Get our hearts above our head just for five minutes. You don't have to. You can sit in your pews. You can do whatever you need to. But I just feel, let's just get before him. And like Cam's saying, this is just five minutes. (laughs) What if it's six days? What if it's six months? Right? Are we willing just to sit before the king? Oh, man, eh? I want to. One last thing. This message is actually good news. I was just struck sitting down here. Here's the good news. The Lord is giving a message that is addressing the possibility of change because there's a possibility of change. He wouldn't throw something out that was like, ha, you're hopeless and you're, you struck out, too bad you missed it. Here's what missing it means. This is an opportunity for something to transform. That's what's happening here. The death leads to a resurrection. So if you're feeling the Spirit of God prompting you at all, let's do it now. Respond to the Lord. Kneel, lay down. If you got to go, you got to go. That's fine. But Kurt's going to play for a bit. Looks like Miranda's joining here too. So obey the Lord, whatever he's saying to do. It's interesting that, that uh, Chris talked about Tommy Tenney, who, who wrote another book called One Night with the King. And it's, it's actually about Esther. And the recognition is that Esther, remember that she was the king's wife. And she did have a request, but actually realized that it was more important to just spend that first night with the king. And he was so stirred after being with her that he couldn't even sleep that night. And there's a really fun story that comes out of that. As he had the records read to him and ended up honoring um, Esther's cousin, sort of dad, Mordecai. But the big thing was that Esther recognized that it was more important to win the heart of the king to be in intimacy with the king than it was to to bring her request quickly. And that's true for us as well. Can we actually turn our hearts to the king first? Something really interesting about Esther, if you read the book of Esther, you'll realize Esther wasn't some slave girl who was, who was effectively forced into a marriage and being raped by the king. And I'm sorry to be so blunt. No. Right from the beginning, she turned her heart to the king. She asked the king's servant, what does he like? What does he like? God gave her a love for the king. And so she was able to actually win his heart because, you know, he could have told, he, he, he didn't know right away whether this was somebody being forced against her will to, you know, bear the royal heir versus someone who actually loved the king. And so again, instead of just, oh, this is the way it's set up, so I guess I got to, you know, I guess I got to kneel if I'm going to, you know, it's none of that. It really comes down to, Lord, turn my heart to you. Lord, I want my heart to be so for you. And you know, the, the truth is that really her desires were in line with his desires. Because he didn't want all of her people killed. She, that would have included her. And he loved his queen. He loved his bride. And as his bride, we're able to come to him that way. And we're able to have our petition. But really, the petition's got to be secondary to just wanting to spend the time with the king, just wanting to be intimate with the Lord. Boy, that can sound weird. So Lord, I pray you would give us a revelation of what it looks like for us to be intimate with you. Mm, Especially us as guys, to be a bride (laughs) and to want to be intimate with you, Lord. Mm. Mm, Give us that heart, Lord. Mm, that we would enjoy the wait. That we would enjoy the wait as we, as we woo our lover. Mm.
Yeah. Well, he said it there. We just had an intimate moment at church, and for some of us, this is just awkward. For others, it's easy, but I'm telling you, it's something we need to learn how to do, right? And be okay with it. And so we're just going to let the worship team play for a while here, and you don't have to rush off. If you want to stay and just do what you're doing, you can do it. But if you need prayer, we don't want you leaving without being prayed for. We have a team, and if that's you, I want you just to come up right away. Those that are going to be praying, we want to pray for you before you, before you leave because we know there's needs in the house too. So why don't we just stand to our feet? I just want to pray a blessing over you. And if you are new, I don't want you running off right away. I'm going to try to make it over to you. I'd like to shake your hand and welcome you to church. And uh, we're glad you're here with us today. But Father, it's all about you. That's it. It's all about you. And so God, we have our our stuff and we just bring our stuff and we lay it down at the altar and we say, Jesus, just teach us just how to be with you, how to love you, how to walk with you, how to trust you. That even in those seasons where we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we don't feel like you're listening, that we don't quit, that we just continue to pursue, we continue to walk with you, we continue to love you because you are worthy of that love. Bless each one in this house, God, that no one would leave this place without knowing today that the Father in heaven sees them, loves them, is reaching his hand down to them right now and wanting to touch them. He sees their needs. He sees the needs of their kids. He sees the needs of their parents. He sees the needs in their community. He sees the very things they're hurting with. He sees their frustrations. He sees their angers. He sees all that stuff right now that we sometimes hide when we walk into the doors of a church. He sees it. And I see his hand right now saying, I'm going to touch that. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to help you with your frustrations, your anger. I want you to ask me those questions. And guess what? I'm going to answer those questions. Seek me and this stuff will be resolved. Seek me. Don't lose hope. Keep fighting. Keep pursuing. Don't allow your mind to win. And that's where it is, man. Get that heart above your head. Don't allow your mind to win. Right? So bless each one in Jesus' name. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Bless you and have a wonderful Sunday. Again, the altars are open. Come get prayer. Amen.